Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch With Jen and Friends. If Watch With Jen is the studio track, this is the acoustic version. Today's guest is Nell Minow, an insightful, articulate, and highly readable film critic, as well as a lawyer. Nell Minow has reviewed more than 3,000 films online since 1995, an editor and critic at RogerEbert.com. Every week, Nell reviews new releases on radio stations across the United States and at her site, MovieMom.com, which I've linked to in this post. Author of both The Movie Mom's Guide to Family Movies and the book 101 Must-See Movie Moments, which she was kind enough to send me a few months back and I absolutely loved, I'm honored to speak to her today. So Nell, how have you been doing and how have you been adapting to the pandemic? Still baking bread. (laughs) I'm still baking a lot of bread. Okay. I think I've made eight different kinds of bread and I've made many of them more than once and, uh, so yes, uh, I've also been getting into soup, especially now that the weather's getting a little colder. But yes, I've definitely done more cooking during the pandemic than in my entire life put together. So that's been oh. kind of fun. But I've also, of course, been watching a lot of movies. I would say for the first few months, I mostly watched Turner Classic movies, a mm-hmm. sort of movie comfort food, because you know, you're watching movies about the Depression and World War II. What's going on now doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's just something there's just something very comforting. And particularly one thing I look forward to all year is uh the Summer of the Stars that they do on Turner Classic Movies because they will devote an entire day to one performer and mm-hmm. it just gives you such an opportunity to do a deep dive into one person's work and to see how they changed over the years and to see how they adapted to different circumstances. So I, I, I particularly enjoyed that. So yeah, I, I, I've done a lot of Turner classic movies and um, a lot of old favorites kind of movie comfort food. And that's one thing that's been helping me get by. Absolutely. Summer Under the Stars is like my favorite Turner Classic Movies programming, besides, of course, all the noir that they put on in November. I get very excited for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Were there any stars you were in particular excited to see or ones you would love them to do? I was very happy that the the very first day of the month was one of my all time favorites, uh, Barbara Stanwyck. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, and she's perfect for that because... She had such a long career. She had such a varied career. Um, there's never been a better movie ever made than The Lady Eve. Um, you know, you get <laughs> to see movie. her in, in pre-code, babyface. Um, you get to see her as a mature woman in it, or as a young mature woman in, in executive suite and then an older. So that's a perfect way to start. Uh, I also have become, I've always been a big fan of William Powell, but over this mm. year in particular, I've become even more of a fan of William Powell. I've gotten to see many more of his movies, particularly some of his early movies. And I just cannot get enough William Powell. Oh, never. He's amazing. The one day I was really excited about was Steve McQueen. 
because I'd seen a couple of the big ones. My dad was a huge fan, but it was really cool to see some of his other fare that had totally passed me by or ones that I thought I had seen before, like the Thomas Crown Affair. I was convinced I'd seen this, started watching. I'm like, no, I must have gotten it confused with something else. And there's nothing like that movie. And it's in my book. The chess game is in my book. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Um, I think Love with a Proper Stranger was on. Uh, oh, yes. I love that film. one of my absolute favorites. And so, you know, you can see a different side of him. He's yeah. so good in that. Uh, and I know that uh, Enemy of the People was a pet project of his. I believe it was his last film. He produced it himself. It was very important to him. He's almost unrecognizable. He's got a beard in it. And I, <laughs> it's also one of my favorite plays. So I did try to watch that. And I, I have to say, I got kind of bogged down in it. But it was really fun to see him in such a different role yeah all the different varied roles well what have you been working on are there any upcoming reviews or articles or projects that you'd like to tease out well uh yeah uh what i'm working on right now uh is uh glenn Keane, who has been a great favorite of mine for a long time he was a disney animator for many years he worked on the rescuers on rapunzel on aladdin on pocahontas uh, wow. He's directing his first film, which opens this week, Over the Moon, an animated film that's a Chinese co-production. And uh, I did an interview with him last night that I'll be writing up, so I'm excited about that. Uh, I just ran an interview with uh, Aaron Sorkin about one of my favorite films of the year so far, uh, Trial of the Chicago 7. So, um, I mean, I love writing reviews, but there's something a little more exciting yeah. about the interviews. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm looking forward to checking out Over the Moon. I watched Trial of Chicago 7 last weekend. There's been a good run of movies lately. I also caught American Utopia, which was amazing. So It was yeah. amazing. And uh, Mank uh, was, was everything that, that I hoped it would be. One thing I wanted to share with you is that uh, one of the movies that I'm reviewing this week is called Nationland. And it is a documentary. Uh, with archival footage from 1972 about a political convention, an all-black political convention, with speakers uh -huh. including Jesse Jackson, Richard Roundtree is there, Sidney Poitier did the narration. And it made me think, having just, and Bobby Seale is there, and of course he's a very important figure in the, the Travel of Chicago 7, so it's really fun to see the real yeah. Bobby Seale, and he's just wonderful in it. Uh, but it, it's interesting to me that there seemed to be a collection of movies set in that late 60s, early 70s era. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, you know, we had the, the Glorias and uh, and there was a documentary early this year about a women's political convention in the 70s. And I just think there seems to be something where we're kind of harking back in yeah. time to a, a particular period of great volatility and protest and that seems to resonate right now. Very true. I think because of the outrageous political arena that we find ourselves in right now, we keep looking back into history yeah. like, well, how did they deal with Nixon or how did they deal with uh, these various crazy events? But, well, yeah. I was a teenager, a senior in high school when the trial of the Chicago 7 was going on. And I'm from Chicago, so it was going on at my doorstep. And uh, I was there. I was supposed to be a volunteer at the Democratic 
convention, but oh, my wow. parents sent us home because of all of the chaos that was going on there. But obviously, I was very interested in it. It was interesting that when I posted my review of the movie on Facebook, two of my friends from high school uh, commented that they had cut school to go sit in on the trial and be there and watch the trial, which I remembered at the time, but oh, it's just wow. amazing to think about. And so it was I've always been extremely interested in that trial, which was going on for six months of my senior year. Um, and uh, and and so to see that movie and no parts of it were true, parts of it they exaggerated a little bit um, was extremely interesting to me. And I I wonder, um, you know, it it seemed to me that it was more about today than it was about then. You know, the yes. sympathy was the sympathy was very much all on the side of the protesters. And, um, and I thought that was, you know, I'm, I'm on the side of the protesters too, but I think there will be some pushback on that. But certainly Judge Hoffman was a terrible person. And yeah. my husband and I who are both lawyers had run-ins with him. Um, oh, really? He got older and he was even worse than you see in the movie. Oh no. Oh, that's yeah. horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I always pay close attention to your recommendations because I love the balance of classic and contemporary family films and grown up fare. You gave me a great list of fall and or Halloween movies that I've been enjoying checking out. I thought it'd be fun to go through those today. Uh, One that I thought I had seen before, but realized that I was getting it mixed up with same time next year was The Four Seasons from writer-director Alan Alda. So what can you tell us about that movie? I really enjoyed it. I'm really happy to hear that because that is a favorite of mine. And the older I get, the more I I think I appreciate it. Uh, Of course, it is named for not just the actual four seasons of the year, but also for the Four Seasons musical composition by Vivaldi, which is used beautifully through the movie. And it's about very, very, very close friends and the ups and downs that they have during four moments over the course of a year. You couldn't have a better cast. Everybody in it is just incredible. Uh, Alan Alden, of course, uh, his wife, played by Carol Burnett, who is just fantastic. Uh, Rita Moreno is in it. Um, Len Carreyou is in it. And uh, and it, it is a thoughtful and complicated and funny and touching and bittersweet story about friendship. I mean, we see so many movies about love relationships and the complications Mm -hmm. and the torture and the ups and downs but not enough about friendships which really are as important in our lives and can be as full and as sustaining and I thought it captured the friendships extremely well very true yeah I thought it was funny it's about couples that go on vacation together throughout Mm -hmm. the seasons and um, during a fight I think it was Alda with his wife Carol Burnett she was saying something like can we just go on vacation (laughs) they have to bring the the other couples with them every time and I thought that was very funny but you know your friends do become your family and I thought this was really interesting yeah and yeah, and there's a wonderful moment in the movie where the husbands are saying, well, we met because I went to you as a dentist. And the women say, no, no, we met first and we brought you in together. But yeah, you do develop that sort of the the family of your friends. 
and you're super in each other's lives. And that's great because we all want to be known. We all want that kind of intimacy, but it can get very claustrophobic at times, particularly when one of them decides to make some big changes. Yes. But yeah. going back to our theme <laughs> of the four major scenes in the film, one does take place in the fall uh, when they go to visit their daughters in college. And, uh, and, and the, the fall really represents, um, you know, a transitional moment in what's going on in their relationships. And, and I'm going to say just an almost elegiac moment, uh, yeah. which is very, which is definitely a fall theme. Yes. Yeah, it is this time of year. I think it was Jack Kerouac who said in October, you can always go home. And yeah. it's true, you, you seem to want to get in touch with your roots or make those changes. One thing I loved is in the fall sequence in the movie, the two girls that were were Al and Alda's real-life daughters. And right. I thought, oh, that was a beautiful way to include them. It was, and they did very well. And, yeah. Uh, he made, I think one of them had to dye her blonde so that they wouldn't look too much alike. But yes. yeah, but I, thought they, I thought they did very well. Yeah. And then another movie you recommended is one I love, but I had not seen for years. I remember seeing it in the theater was Todd Haynes' Far From Heaven, which Isn't is such an incredible movie. Gorgeous movie. Oh, my goodness. Yes. You yeah. know, um, I was just remembering the first time I even heard that that movie was coming out was I was talking to another critic. Uh, Nick DeGilio in Chicago, and we were sharing our love for Douglas Sirk. Yeah, and he said Todd Haynes is making a movie that's a tribute to Douglas Sirk. And I said, Oh my goodness, uh, I'm <laughs> very much looking forward to that. So that was all I really had in my mind when I went to see it. And it just does bring that sort of Douglas Sirkian longing and mm-hmm. and agony. Uh, and uh, in the impossibility of the connection and how strongly you want it. And, mm-hmm. um, and therefore, once again, you couldn't have a better setting than the fall. And the fall is filmed so luxuriantly yes, and beautifully. And, and it really matches the mood of the movie so well. Yeah, you want to just walk into the frame and live there, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, I know. And you want to say, you want to say, run away together. Yes, in thirty years, everybody will be fine with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know, and just the '50s sensibility, the costuming, the production design. All That Heaven Allows is my favorite Douglas Sirk movie. Mine too. Yes, I have a lot of affection for the Magnificent Obsession. Oh, me too. That's my mom's favorite. So I've seen it a million times and I do love it. But um, one thing I loved was just how much care he took. Even the bureaus and the shots in the mirror are exactly like what we see in Douglas Sirk movies. I thought that was really cool. And I also really appreciated the amount of attention that was given to the costuming and the symbolism like we see Dennis Haysbert who plays her gardener the Rock Hudson character in a green jacket and a red mm-hmm. shirt which is kind of like what Rock wore in all right. that Rock like a, a lumberjack yeah. yes yeah. and then uh, Julianne Moore wore a red dress and a green coat I can't remember if it was the same scene or whatever but it, it was a nice way to connect the two characters and I just I love, love that I love it when I go back and look at a movie that I feel that I remember very well and discover 
that, hey, there's an Oscar-winning actress playing the maid in that Yes. Movie. Yeah, Viola Davis. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the one that um, always blew my mind the first time I watched it, Julianne Moore was, like, my favorite actress growing up in the 90s, but was Dennis Quaid. That was the first movie where I was uh, thinking, oh, my goodness, he can really act. He yeah. was very good in that. Very difficult role. Yeah, because uh, again, he's playing somebody who's in complete anguish. Yep, and and you do wish that there was just a time machine you could put all these people in. Yeah, it's gonna be okay. I felt like that with the movie Carol as well. Yeah, um, another one of my favorites. Yeah, well, that's just an amazing movie. Uh, but yeah, uh, the scene where her scarf flies away. I mean, you know, that's yeah. also very symbolic. And and when they dance together. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and Dennis Haysbert. Let's give him some props because, oh first gosh, of all, what yes. a speaking voice that guy has! Amazing like, voice. <laughs> it, it's like mahogany. You know, there's a reason mm-hmm. that they have him doing all those TV commercials. He's so good. And when he shows her the picture of his daughter, you know, he's got oh, such pride. It's 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 so a, tender. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful movie. I'm so glad you like it. Yeah, I love that one. And it was kind of funny because at that same time, it was, you would see him playing the gardener in this movie. He was playing the president of the United States on 24. (laughs) It was just like night and day there. Yeah, exactly. And then last night, we both happened to watch, this was unplanned, we swear, The Trouble with Harry, which is (laughs) such a good Alfred Hitchcock movie. And it always gets overlooked in his 50s period, I think. I agree with you. I mean, let's just take a moment. It's written by the same guy who wrote some of Hitchcock's yes. most famous movies, Catch a Thief, Vertigo, and uh, Bernard Herrmann did the score, which is great. Mm-hmm. It's got a wonderful cast. I really want to spend some time talking with you about the cast. But first, I think the most important thing for us to talk about is the tone, because that's the reason people don't talk about it. It has a tone that Hitchcock love because it's a very dark humor very understated movie about a corpse and and not like rope which is also about a corpse yes (laughs) Uh, that in rope everyone takes it very seriously and this movie there's a corpse and there's there's a wonderful scene where shirley mcclain in her first movie age 20 and then the the opening credits say introducing shirley mcclain she's so she's so assured and wonderful in that film and she discovers the corpse and she goes, oh, good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's very, everybody's very low key about this, about this dead body that they keep yeah. coming upon. And so I think that's the reason people don't know how to, how to deal with it. Um, but if you have a mordant sense of humor and you don't care about the fact that it makes, none of it makes any sense. No. None of it. And <laughs> you're fine. I know. Um, I mean, there there's so many things that don't make any sense uh, that are just crazy. But fine, it's just it's just there to be a, a very dark comedy, and so I think that's the reason that it gets overlooked. But I think that's the reason you and I enjoyed it. Yes, I think it plays better the second time you watch it, too, because the first time you're so in the mold of a Hitchcock film or a Hitchcock thriller, and you keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. 
like, okay, there's a dead body. Where's the murderer? Is it Shirley right. McLean? Like, who right. is the murderer? Right. And uh, you're you're waiting for something As sinister. The, the door keeps swinging open. Yes. You think yeah, it's a my, ghost? You're like, yeah, what? Yeah. Who's hiding in there? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For the whole movie, it just struck me the first time I watched it. I remember it's just too weird. And then you can't stop thinking about it. And then the next time you watch it, you realize just how funny and ridiculous it is and it kind of plays like a play almost yeah, yeah or a short door story slamming. Yes. yeah it was you know yeah door slamming yeah yeah right and uh you know there's this little wooded area that apparently in a tiny remote town in vermont this little <laughs> wooded area gets more traffic than, than anywhere <laughs> yes <laughs> everybody oh walks through the same little wooded area including the doctor who trips over, literally trips over the corpse. Yes. And doesn't even notice. No. Because that's the kind of world that this movie is set in. But it's also (laughs) set in a true picture postcard of unbelievable fall colors. Yeah, just so gorgeous. Northeast, just beautiful. Another one of those movies that you want to walk into and live. Although, I don't know if I'd want to be around those people all the time, because if something happened, they'd probably, you know, bury me and then dig me up about six times in one day. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, I mean, everything in the movie is so strange. But let's talk about the cast for a minute. I want to talk about the smaller parts, because Mildred Dunnock, plays the shop owner and the mother of the local cop. Uh, Yes. And it's a small part and it doesn't really give her a chance to show off what a world-class actress she was. She originated the part of Mrs. Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman on Broadway. And then she played the part in the movie and I believe got an Oscar for it. Um, So she's quite a distinguished actress. Uh, and she doesn't have a chance to do that much, but she's just lovely in this role. She she's as uh, she's just on top of whatever is going on. And uh, when John Forsythe doesn't have enough money to pay, um, you know, she's out there trying to get people to buy his artwork, and she says, "It's okay, you can pay me later." So she's great. And then mm-hmm. the great character actor Royal Dano plays her son, uh, yeah, who is the local sheriff, and apparently the post office too apparently he does everything yeah he wears many hats (laughs) yeah um and you know uh and and he is he's very good uh Mm -hmm. edmund gwen uh far from his role as santa claus in miracle on 34th street uh he is um he's a captain (laughs) of some kind he's some kind of a ship captain yeah uh, that becomes revealed yes yeah (laughs) And one of my all-time favorites, Mildred Natwick. I was just looking her up because she was the one I recognized the most. I mean, besides, of course, Shirley MacLaine and right, right. John Forsyth from right. yeah, Dynasty and, right. and Charlie's Angels. But yeah. Right. Well, Mildred Natwick is one of my all-time favorite character actresses. Just a wonderful, you know, in, in so many of my favorite movies, The Enchanted Cottage. She's great in... I think my favorite of her performances is probably in Barefoot in the Park, where she plays the mother, and mm. and in this one she plays she plays a, a single an older single woman who's guess she says she's forty two in it, and <laughs> uh, and um, she turns out to have a little more going on than we thought, uh, so she's she's wonderful in it, 
And then let's talk about Shirley MacLaine for a minute. 20 years old, had been a dancer on Broadway, had that sort of fabled moment where the star of the show, Carol Haney, broke her leg and she got pulled on at the last minute to have uh, the lead um, dancing role. Uh, and from that, she was picked to go out to Hollywood. And this is her first movie at age 20. And she's so assured in that performance. Yes. Somebody who's not a trained actress. No. Um, she just is. And and let's face it, it's a crazy role. She's got some speeches in there. It really is. That are nuts. That yeah. About, about her husband's nuts. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> reading the horoscope and her and her nighty. Right. I mean, she says the most, day. yes, exactly. <laughs> it is bananas. And she doesn't blush. She doesn't, she's just very matter of fact and just so good. She is so she genuine. The tone of the movie yeah. perfectly. Yes. And one thing that she said in her book was that she has, she has blue eyes and she had a very hard time with the camera, with the lights. That oh. They were very, very strong. And she said she felt that she squinted a lot. So oh, I kept looking gotcha. to see if I thought she was squinting. And I really didn't think so. No. But I thought she was, she, she, had, she had some crazy material to get across. You know, even in her interaction with her son, played by Jerry Mathers, who was yes, the, the biggest bee. star <laughs> of, of television when I was growing up and Leave It to Be yep. Her. Um, but she's great. And then John Forsythe, who we do think of as television, he did a lot yeah. more TV than movies. He's quite good too. He really is. He was charming and kind of mis mischievous. Very, very nice chemistry with uh, Shirley MacLaine, I thought too. And since you raised the issue of the colors, let's talk about Edith Head did the costumes. Yes. And so Shirley MacLaine spends a lot, the whole movie takes place pretty much in one day. And yeah. Shirley MacLaine is wearing a very deep blue dress as mm -hmm. contrasted with the kind of the earth colors that yeah. predominant in the, in the movie. But yeah. yeah, I got a big kick out of watching it again. I know it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. And then another one you brought up for Halloween that I, again, I enjoyed it when it first came out, but it had been a while was Monster House. I just thought Isn't it was that a great movie. Yes. So imaginative. The one I did not get to was Paranorman, which I'm eager for you to tell me about. Okay. But Monster House was so much fun. Well, one thing that the two of those movies have in common is, you know, it's one thing to set up a premise of some kind of paranormal event, whether you've got ghosts or monsters or whatever is happening, um, it, it, particularly in a movie for younger people, but I yeah. would say in any movie, you want to have some kind of a underlying resolution that, that emotionally makes sense to us. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give my favorite scary movie as an example, Poltergeist. Okay. It would not be as re it would not resonate with us as much if there wasn't a reason that yeah. all of that was happening, mm -hmm. and it was hubris and human arrogance that they built the they built the housing development on top of a Native American burial ground or whatever. Okay, that makes that yeah. makes sense, you know. Yes, exactly. Monster House, you want to have particularly for kids, you want to have a resolution that is 
nicer than that or that is that is more reassuring than that you know so yeah for poltergeist it's fine it's fine to say well this is a terrible thing that he, that 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 arrogant rich people have done and that's they're going to be paying for forever but with monster house you've got a resolution that's actually extremely sweet and loving Mm-hmm. and and satisfying and i think that that's one reason that i mentioned it or that i recommended it because i think that's unusual is to have such a satisfying answer so you have all the fun stuff all the fun scary stuff and then a really satisfying lovely answer at the end it's just all yeah and yeah. i thought the voice cast really brought that across especially yeah. steve buscemi yeah. and also just the vocal cast throughout maggie gyllenhaal is yeah. so much fun as the babysitter. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a great one. I really enjoyed watching I'm that. Glad. Again. So that's one that I recommend every year. And then Paranorman is another one I recommend every year. I am the world's biggest fan of Leica movies and mm-hmm. I recommend all of them. Um, I think that the most recent one has some problems uh, with the storyline. Which one was that? The, the, um, uh, the missing link. Okay. Uh, uh, with Hugh yeah, Jackson yeah, and That one has some problems with the script. But in terms of their stop motion animation, they're in a world of their own. You know, mm-hmm. there's like Wallace and Gromit, and then there's Leica. And uh, so Coraline, obviously, uh, is a masterpiece, in my opinion, and that falls into this category. Paranorman is one of my favorites. Uh, I love all their movies, but it's still one of my favorites because it, it's about, it's like The Sixth Sense. It's about a little boy who can see ghosts of dead people oh. and nobody understands that, nobody believes him. And it turns out that his town was involved in kind of a Salem witch trial situation. And again, it's got a very satisfying resolution that is resolved at the end it's not something that's going to continue it's not going to be paranormal too and i just <laughs> i thought and a fabulous voice talent jeff garland um uh anna kendrick uh um casey affleck oh wow yeah wonderful john goodman oh i love voice. john goodman yeah i love john goodman wonderful voice talent i got to interview uh, anna kendrick uh, about oh, making wow. <laughs> and she took out her phone and she started showing me because I said to her if there was anything that you could bring home from the from the world of the movie what would it be and she started showing me just she says even in the the locker inside the locker of the kids in the movie which you don't even see on screen they were that detailed that they had things there that were meaningful and that told you something about the character but I I just really love that movie Oh, I can't wait to check that one out. I look forward to it. And then I think we should wrap up with our, probably our mutual, one of our favorites, Meet Me in St. Louis. Yeah. Yes. Who doesn't love that? I know. And the Halloween episode is one of the all-time highlights. It really is. I know. Everyone thinks of it more as a Christmas movie. I love to watch it fall, winter. Kind of like Todd Haynes films. They always say fall and winter to me. Right. Yeah. But this one has such a memorable Halloween moment with Margaret O'Brien. Right. Well, you you see it from her perspective. I know. First of all, you have to explain to everybody who's watching it that before there was a thing of trick or treat where you gave out candy, they would 
would they go door to door and they would throw flour on people. That was the trick yeah. part. Okay. And so that's what she's trying to do. There's a there's a house that everybody's scared to do it at because the guy who lives there is very scary. And it's her job as the littlest person <laughs> who is out doing this on Halloween. She has been dared to go and throw flour on the scariest guy in town. And you just know. see everything from her perspective and you are all of a sudden you're six years old and you so are horrified yes about that and then and then she does it and everybody's so excited and she says i'm the most horrible, I'm the most horrible. <laughs> she was so good in that movie oh my gosh she yeah I'm she's a big fan yeah. yeah she's the one that tugs your heartstrings i think yeah. the most especially with the have yourself a merry little oh, christmas scene gosh. which now that's going to make us cry but anyway yes. <laughs> she's really good yes the whole cast is great the though yes is great yes uh but uh and i'm still annoyed with her for um what she does after she gets home and she blames the boy next door for i know she should not have done that but for the hell <laughs> she's out there uh really um Vincent Minnelli does an amazing job of giving us the experience of being out there, the big dark night, the scary things all around, the courage that she has, the triumph that she feels. We're just right in there with her. Yes, absolutely. Well, there are any other movies for this time of year or filmmakers? I know we brought up Cirque and Haynes. I always think of Nora Ephron, too. Mm -hmm. All of the great fall scenes in her movies, like, you know, When Harry Met Sally as a classic one, and you've got Mail. So are there any other films or filmmakers that kind of say fall to you or winter? Well, there. I mean, there are a lot of movies that I really like for Halloween. I like some of the classics, Dead of Night, the British uh, anthology film. That yes. was the one that my mother said scared her the most when she was a <laughs> little girl. And so uh, so I was very interested in that. But to tell you the truth, I, I first saw Dead of Night when I was uh, about 19 and just really beginning to learn a lot about movies. And what really attracted me to it then was that it was an anthology film where each film was made by a different director. And I really felt like I could pick out the styles. Oh, cool. And so that, so I, so that's continues to appeal to me. There, there are some that are kind of funny and there's some that are really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I already mentioned Poltergeist, which is sort of my go-to. I think that's a great, great, scary movie. Um, to me, the scariest movie ever made is The Shining, but that's just my view. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's my favorite scary movie. Like, if yeah. you had to pick one, for sure. I think the scariest thing I've ever seen in a movie is when Shelley Duvall realizes what he's been typing that whole time. Yes, that whole sequence. Just, you're, like, barely breathing. I know. Yeah. 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 That's, that So to me, that's extremely scary. And then I want to recommend a movie. I can't remember if I mentioned this to you before, but this is a movie made on a budget of about $20 that I think is one of the best psychological uh, horror movies I've ever seen. And I, I prefer that to like gory horror. So yeah, me too. It's called Coherence. I have that somewhere and I have yet to watch it. Okay. So well, now I'm going to go grab it. <laughs> I think it's really good. Um, it's it's sort of Twilight Zone type horror. Ah, oh, I it love that. 
with uh, just a bunch of friends having dinner together and chit-chatting about what seems like, you know, just regular old everyday chit-chat. And then you go through and find out what's going on. And the minute I finished it, I went right back to the beginning because I wanted to listen to that seemingly meaningless conversation oh. at the beginning and kind of see how they were beginning to set up what was going to happen. So it's done, I thought, very cleverly. Uh, I think coherence is a very good one. And I'll mention another one that no one has ever heard of. You ever hear of a movie called Dave Made a Maze? No. Okay. Just, you don't need to watch the movie if you don't want to, but watch the trailer. It's on okay. YouTube. All right. Again, made on a budget <laughs> of nothing, but it like Blair Witch Project, sometimes people make an advantage out of not having any money. And yeah. Dave Made a Maze, that is a great example of people just using ingenuity and creativity and uh, yeah, so I, I can't say that I think the script gets an A plus, but just the visuals in it, you can't mm. you just they're fabulous. Ah, great. The last one that I remember watching um, or discovering a few years ago that I had to tell everybody to see without like, don't look it up, don't learn anything about <laughs> right. it was uh kusama's uh the invitation did you see that oh, one no i did not seen that oh I my goodness yeah yeah okay. that was very good yeah it starts out and you're thinking it's one thing and it just gets a little creepier and then yeah it's very <laughs> worth watching Everybody I watched, yeah, like later, everybody I should say, I told to watch it, wound up calling me back like, thanks. <laughs> but most of them really enjoyed it, though. Yeah, like my dad ended up watching it twice. and So that's always a good thing. Yes. Great. Yeah, that's a great thing. <laughs> yeah. How about just movies in general? Have there been any others that you've seen lately that recommend? Well, I loved uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7. I've now seen that twice. Um, okay. And I will be seeing it again. I thought it was just, I'm a huge Aaron Zorkin fan. I thought it was brilliantly done. Uh, Great. Uh, I, I loved Mank. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that again. Uh, the other films that I've liked this year, um, I'm going to mention two, which have one thing in common. Other than that, they have nothing in common. But uh, I really enjoyed the personal history of David Copperfield. I, I, that's one of my favorite books. And so I went into it with a big chip on my shoulder, like, this is a really long book. I can't believe you're going to do everything that's in this book. And, uh, and I thought they did a fabulous job. And then, it, you know, it, it's been a while since we've had a good romantic comedy. What we I get know. are sort of these very low-level romantic comedies on Netflix that are just kind yep. of like chum thrown in the water. They're not Yeah, good. exactly. But I thought Broken Hearts Gallery was a delight, in part because of Genevieve Viswanathan, who I think is one of the most talented and delightful young actresses out there. Um, mm -hmm. Both of those movies had total race-blind casting. By, by that I mean... You know, the fact that you are one race and your mother is another race, yeah. or your brother or whatever, nobody cares. We're just nope. going to deal with it. And that gave a great freshness and fun to both movies. Other than that, as I said, they have nothing in common. They're both very good what they do, but one of them is a classic and the other one is uh, not. But, uh, but I really enjoyed that element in both of those movies and would love to see more of that. Oh, I look forward to that. That does make it exciting. And I think... Yeah, it's also bringing in great talent, for sure. Exactly. Dev Patel as David Copperfield, you know. when Such a good actor. When, yeah, when they told him, he said, wait a minute. So then 
my dead father was Indian. They said, we don't care. Just, <laughs> you know, we're just going to tell people that you're David Copperfield and that's all there is to it. Yeah. And it's Why fine. Not? It worked out fine. Yeah. He's an amazing star, I think. He's yes. terrific. And it's great to see him in this role because he is, you can't imagine anybody else doing as well. I mean, I'm a big fan of the MGM version of David Copperfield, which mm-hmm. I think is one of the most perfectly cast movies in every way, except the adult David Copperfield is just a big, dumb, dull dud. But you know, <laughs> Freddie Bartholomew is great as the young David Copperfield. And of course, you know, W.C. Fields is Mr. Micawber. And uh, you just, you know, you cannot, you know, Basil Rathbone oh, is yeah. stepfather. Uh, and Miss Betsy Trotwood is my favorite character in all of Dickens. And Tilda Swinton, are you kidding me? Perfect. <laughs> He's perfect. Yes. Absolutely. Well, Nell, I want to thank you so much for recommending all of these great movies. I have so much I want to watch now. And I really, I know people are probably listening with notebooks. So that's always a good thing. And thank you so much. This was so much fun. It's always a pleasure. Please promise you'll have me back again. Oh, anytime for sure. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com or FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen and Friends. <laughs>